Hey everybody, welcome to the WCBC Podcast. My name is Hunter. My name is Alan. And uh, me and Alan are here today with you guys. We are back, super excited. The um, dynamic duo. Yeah, Cody's at work, um, and uh, Will's not with us today. And you might be saying, "What do you? who's Will? Go check out the last two podcasts um, about Will's life and testimony and how we discuss and talk through it and so uh fascinating young man man it was awesome it was really awesome and uh enjoy will's friendship will if you're listening to this we appreciate you buddy and uh we're we're looking forward to uh we got some more guests coming soon um for those of you that are familiar um chris burnett will be with us this next episode we'll be talking about exegesis versus eisegesis and uh, if you just heard those terms and you're like, what is that? I'd encourage you to stay tuned. Um, we're looking forward to talking about that. Um, we're excited Chris is going to join us. Uh, Chris's family comes to this church. And um, Chris recently um, just left, I believe it was South Carolina, where he was pastoring on staff over there. And uh, they felt led to come back to Tennessee. They've been coming for a little bit um, here at the chapel, um, praying that God would lead them. To where they need to go to next but uh we're going to use him while he's here that's exactly podcast. right so uh but yeah it's just me and alan we're looking forward to this so let's jump in alan um so today is going to be kind of like a um not random but some of y'all might hear what we're getting ready to talk about and be like wow that's just kind of out of nowhere and uh i, I hope it you feel like that absolutely that's the the good thing about god's word is that it even the most studied and seasoned a biblical student can run across things that are like, man, have I not seen that before? That's right, Alan. And that's that was me. I mean, with what we're getting ready to talk about. Me, me too. Me too. And so kind of to give you guys like a uh, preface, um, and, and what's so cool is like um, I'm filling in for pastor today too, and uh, all of the things that I've been reading in the Old Testament and things in the New Testament, they've come together. So I'm going to talk more about this later um, a little bit, but... To give you guys a preface, I've been listening to a sermon series by a guy by the name of Skip Heidzik, and he's been preaching through the whole Bible. On Wednesday nights, that's what him and his church have been doing. For like one a, one a service? Year. Yeah. In one service? Oh, no. That would be pretty <laughs> That would be pretty impressive. And uh, so basically, they've been going through the Bible. That was my glasses. Sorry, everybody. But they've been going through the Bible, and uh, I'm late to the to the series, but uh, I, I've I've seen how he's been going through Kings. And so I started listening to it, and uh, today we're going to be in St. Kings, um, basically like chapter 10, chapter 11, chapter 12, and uh, we're just going to have a conversation about this. And, and Alan, I, I don't want to steal from him, but I do want to say that, man, what what a series this guy has been doing verse by verse. Um, I mean, he's been to Israel all over, over there in the Mediterranean area, so like as he's going through this, he's explaining the geography and different things, but... I'm sitting here listening to this, and he gets to Second uh, Kings chapter 10, 11, and 12. And Alan, I've read through Kings. Like, kind of kind of like, not like thorough, but just to read. I have also. Um, I've been associated with First and Second Kings multiple times because of pastors I've had. Alan, I, this is the first time I've really heard this story in depth. Yep. And you might be sitting here saying, well, what in the world y'all talk about the Bible every week? It just goes to show, y'all, nobody's a master of the Bible. And there are people that have read through the Bible multiple times. Like our pastor, I mean, every time he preaches, it's like he quotes the whole New Testament multiple times. But what's interesting, and our pastor is so vulnerable with us to say, 
when he gets in the pulpit sometimes, this is something I've never studied, or this is something I've never gotten into, or let me share something with you guys that I've seen for the first time. And I love that, Alan. And I, I like how that, I mean, when you get into a, 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 a mindset of just doing good deeds or doing church activities, like uh, I'm purposed that I was going to read the Bible cover to cover. So I've read the scripture. Any scripture that's read, I can say, hey, I've read that. But the problem with that is, why did I read it? Did I read it just so I could say I've done it? Or did I read it to learn and to educate myself on what the concepts in God's Word is and how they apply? Mm-hmm. So I think that I like how God kind of slows people down at times in their life where, okay, it's not about being busy. It's about being effective. And I think that's true with our study. When God gets us to a place where we can be still and not listen of a person, of a, of a teacher, but listen of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and let the Holy Spirit teach us what his word says, and not only what it says, but what it means and how it applies. I think that that's where uh, really uh, our sanctification begins to take off. Yeah. It begins to skyrocket. Yeah. And you might be thinking, okay, Alan, I know what you're saying, but the Old Testament, I mean, you know, is that still applicable? Yeah, it is. I love there's one verse in the scriptures in the New Testament that says that basically the old prophets, the testament, you know, the old testament served as an ensample. Yep. King James would yep. say ensample, but that means example. Exactly. To us. And so it's so fun um to be able to look at the Bible and go through the Old Testament and learn from these examples of what they did wrong or what they did right. Um and now in school is again, I'm talking about that today, about, you know, when God gave us discipleship in the New Testament. I mean, it's basically God gives commands, we follow and we learn from them. But when you look in the Old Testament, yeah, without the Holy Spirit, it's it's hard to do that. It's just exactly what the scribes and Pharisees done. We could lock ourselves in this room, Hunter, yeah. and absolutely dedicate ourselves to nothing but reading, memorizing God's Word. But if it never went past our head, what good does it do us? Yeah, absolutely. What good does it do us? It's just It's just busy work. It's activity that we can take pride in accomplishments in our own ability. And that's not that's the farthest intent from what God had when he left us his word. Yeah. And so like today's story, you're going to see some providence. You're going to see some sovereignty. You're going to see God fulfill his promises. He's fa- I mean, there's just so many different things. And so as we go through this, I, if you're like, wow, I've never heard that. Go read it. Go read it. I mean, go go listen to things about it. Go find a podcast. Um, I, I'm telling you, it, 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 it's something worth diving into and divulging into because it's God's Word. Yep. It's God's Word, plain and simple. All right. So, with that being said, let's begin talking about this story. Now, one, one thing I'd like to like to put up front is the Old Testament is crazy. Okay? The Old Testament's nuts. Okay? There's some great things in it, but the stories you hear are nuts. Society as, as a whole is completely different. Yes. And, <laughs> and here's the thing. I heard a pastor say this one time. Um, sometimes the Old Testament is rated R, yep. and, and not from explicity or you know from the sense from like a movie perspective, but like no, like murder, yeah, judgment, adultery, yeah. I mean immorality, and mm-hmm. you might be saying, "Oh my goodness, what?" And here's the thing: they were people like us. Yeah, they they made same mistakes, same sins. I mean, nothing's new under the sun. Solomon said, and, and so when you read through the Old Testament, sometimes you're like, "Man, alive." I know that stuff in my own life. Or, oh, I've seen this happen in my family, or I've seen this. 
And, and so that's the thing is like what we're getting ready to talk about has happened before yep. Yep. and again and again and again. But it, the Old Testament is crazy. And I want you to understand that when you get in First Samuel, Second Samuel, First Kings, Second Kings, First Chronicles, and Second Chronicles, and you start going through the history of from Saul um, to David to J- Jehu to uh, Jehoash to Jehoam to Ahab, you start reading about all these different names, and you start looking at all these different kings and periods, and who Israel was fighting with. I um, mean, you look at Solomon. I mean. It's nuts. Yeah. It, it's drama filled. And you can you can take the topics and things that we'll we'll be talking about here in just a little bit. And in today's society, uh, you can throw out catch words or hot words like genocide, and people just get all up in the air about it. You know what I'm saying? But it, commonly practice, dude, the enemies were annihilated. Yeah, wiped out. I mean, killer kids, killer wives, killer dog, killer livestock, burn their house, fill her well full of rocks. No trace of them on the earth. And it's crazy. And a lot of people hear this kind of stuff, Alan. You're like, how in the world could God do genocide? That's terrible. And y'all, it's more than that. It's not, yeah. When God judges, he judges perfectly and righteously. It's absolutely perfect and righteous. Some people hear the word slavery in the Old Testament, New Testament. They're like, man, God supported slavery. I can't get behind that. My friends, separate yourself from the times of Abraham Lincoln and and the Civil War. Separate yourself because it's different. That's the exact point I'm trying to make. We can can look at slavery and all of us can agree. Wrong. No justifiable concept for it. (laughs) But when you look at it spiritually, we're all slaves to sin. No matter what your skin color is, you're a slave to it. And here's the biggest... And you need deliverance from it. Here's the worst thing to do, to take examples that have happened through historic America and take those things and then try to use that to explain the Bible. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that, y'all. I mean, America... We love America. People have died for America. But I can't take my current situation as the context. Like when we look at slavery, some people look at the Civil War. They'll they'll look at all, all the treaties. They'll look at the time of freedom. Then they'll think about, yeah, they'll they'll think about um, they'll think about the days of MLK. You yep. know, when they're going against segregation. And it's like me and Alan are sitting here, and we're like, uh, we don't like slavery no. the way that it happened during those days. We can't stand injustice that took place. Um, we don't like racism. We don't like how atheism developed racism. We can't stand that stuff. Here's the thing. Um, I heard someone ask this question this last week, and I believe it was our pastor. In Genesis chapter 6, I believe, when the Tower of Babel take place, Babel, did God separate them because of their skin color, or did he separate them in their languages? Their languages. He confused the languages. God doesn't see color, y'all. We're people. We're his people. We're one one human race. But, like, when you look at it, people are like, well, you can't trust the Bible. There's slavery in it. I I challenge you. Go look at a biblical explanation of slavery in the the New Testament. Because people are like, Jesus endorsed it. Y'all, slavery back then was a job. You could leave when you wanted to. You weren't beaten to death. And you're thinking, well, what about the Old Testament, y'all? Yeah, slavery was done wrong in the Old Testament. Slavery was done wrong in the New Testament. Remember when Israel, 400 years down, under Pharaoh, he beat him to death. He killed him. Yep. God hated that. God hated that. So in the Bible, and I'm not going to get on a tangent on this, obviously there's a difference because when God gives instructions on masters and slaves, 
it's not what Pharaoh was doing to Israel. Nope. It's not what Israel was under with Pharaoh. Nope. It's not about what Martin Luther fought, Martin Luther King fought for, right? Or what Abraham Lincoln helped bring in. And it's like you look at all these situations and it's like y'all let the Bible be itself. Exactly right. And so what we're talking today is like, yes, this is nuts. This is crazy. But I, I want you to listen to this story, okay? I want you to listen to this story. So to, to kind of paraphrase, um, if you are familiar with Jezebel, the name Jezebel, it is from the Bible. And I think most folks are. Yeah, Jezebel. And some people say Jezebel spirit. It's mentioned in the New Testament Revelation about a church being like Jezebel. And you start looking at this, and not necessarily church being Jezebel, but I believe a person in that church. But um, when we look at this, uh, Jezebel was terrible, y'all. Jezebel was terrible. Um, she was a terrible queen. I mean, to the point where her, her husband, Ahab, wanted this vineyard. So Jezebel basically went and did this man wrong, took his vineyard and gave it to her husband. I mean, she was a terrible, terrible person. And so all of a sudden, you look, and and I'm telling y'all, this is going to blow your mind. If you've never heard this, I want you to prepare yourself. You get over here in St. Kings chapter 9, okay? And Jehu assassinates uh, Joram, or Joram, or Jehoram, Jehu assassinates Haziah. <laughs> okay, and now all of a sudden, Jehu is riding on his horse like a maniac, Alan. I mean, just absolutely taken off, okay? And the next thing um, they know is he goes to Jezreel, okay? And as he's in Jezreel, he's like, okay, um, we're going to take out Jezebel, okay? Ahab's gone. We're, we need to take out Jezebel. And basically, Alan, he rides up and he tells the people, he's like basically like paraphrasing, who's with me, who's going to help me, you know, all these things. And all of a sudden, I believe some eunuchs are like, we're with you. And he says in verse 33, we'll throw her down out of the tower. Okay, throw her down. And some of her blood splattered on the wall and on the horses and they trampled her underfoot. And Okay, so they throw her out of this tower, Alan. Her blood splatters against the wall, against the horses. And the horses run her over. And you know what Jehu does after that, Alan? He goes inside and eats and drinks. <laughs> okay. Now, here's the crazy thing, Alan. Elijah prophesied a long time ago. A long time ago. In verse, And it mentions it in verse 36. That dogs would eat her flesh. And that her corpse, verse 37, will be like dung on the face of the field in the property of Jezreel so they can't say this is Jezebel. They can't even find her grave, Elijah says. And you know how that happens to them? Dogs eat her flesh. And after they eat her flesh, all the dogs go their different way and eventually they poop. And that's what he's saying. Like, she's going to be spread out. No one's going to even know or recognize a grave for her. And that's crazy, Alan. That's crazy. Okay? So all of a sudden, judgment's going to fall on Ahab's house. Okay? Right, <laughs> Ahab had 70 sons in Samaria. Okay, so Jehu writes this letter, and he's basically finding these men. He's going to put judgment on them, okay? Now, here's the crazy thing, Alan. When they get this letter in verse 7 of chapter 10, they took the king's sons and slaughtered them, 70 men, and put their heads in baskets and sent them to Jezreel, okay? Do you know what Jehu did? Or not, Je uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me go through here. Let me go through. Yeah, Jehu, do you, do you know what happened? 
He took those things, those heads, and piled them up. Okay? So Jehu, in verse 11, killed all who remained of the house of Ahab and Jezreel. All his great men, acquaintances, priests, left them without a survivor. Okay? He set out, went to Samaria, and on the way, okay, he's going there. Jehu encountered relatives of Haziah, king of Judah, and he said, Who are you? And they answered, We are relatives of Haziah. We have come to down to greet the sons, right? Basically, like, we've come to uh, mourn with the sons of Ahab. Um, or relatives of, yeah, yeah, of Haziah. My bad, my bad, not Ahab. Haziah. They've come down. They're going to greet. And all of a sudden, <laughs> verse 14, he said, Take them alive. So they took them alive and slaughtered them. <laughs> so, like, he's on a mission, Alan. He is wiping out this line because of the judgment. But here's the thing, Alan. God gave him judgment. Okay, he said, go and do these things to uh, the, the the house of Ahab, right? To Hosea, to his, re- you know, all these different things, okay? But Alan, he said put judgment on Ahab, but here's the thing, Alan. Jehu and his men, they went further than what God decreed, Alan. They went further than what God decreed, and eventually they would answer for that, Okay. So, like, the cutting the heads off, the piling them up, the slaughtering the relatives, I mean, going to Samaria to start killing everybody, yeah, that was extra, okay? He gets, in verse 18, Jehu gathered all the people and said, Ahab served Baal a little, Jehu will serve much, okay? Now summon to me all the prophets of Baal, all his worshippers, priests, let no one sacrifice Baal, whoever is missing shall not live. Um, Jehu did it in deception in order to eliminate the worshippers of Baal. So now he's taking out worshippers. Okay, he's just taking everybody out. Okay. Now you keep going, and you get down to let's see. Let's get down to uh, verse twenty-four. Jehu stationed for himself eighty men outside, and he said, "Remember, worshippers, house of Baal." Okay. The one who allows any of the men who I bring into your hands to escape shall give up his life in exchange. So basically, do not let these men escape, okay? It came about as soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, Jehu said to go, the guard, go to the royal officers, go in and kill them, let none come out. So they killed them, the edge of their sword, and guard and royal officers threw them out and went to the sanctuary of the house of Baal. They brought out the memorial stones of the house of Baal, burned them, also tore down the memorial stone of Baal, tore down the house of Baal, made it a latrine, basically something you pee in, as it is to this day. <laughs> so, he's killed everybody. He's tore down the house of Baal. And all of a sudden, you keep going down through here. And I, I'm just reading down through here because I, I want to put some emphasis, because you get down to... Um, Verse 30, Yet the Lord said to Jehu, Because you have done well in performing what is right in my eyes, and have done this to the house of Ahab, and according to everything that was in my heart, your sons to the fourth generation shall sit on the throne. Alan, remember, he, he said the house of Ahab. God said specifically, house of Ahab. Not all the extra stuff that he did. He's talking about the original judgment. Okay. Now here's the crazy thing. It, you look down in verse 31, Jehu was not careful to walk in the law of the Lord, the God of Israel, with all his heart. He did not desist from the sins of Jeroboam. So he sinned like Jeroboam did. He didn't walk in God's way. And God was pleased that everything was, uh, you know, done originally. Okay, but let me, let me speed up because we got to finish in eight minutes, okay? So, Alan, you get over here. 
And Jehoaz is going to succeed Jehu. Okay, But then you get down to chapter 11. A life of the mother of Isaiah saw that her son was dead. Remember, Isaiah was killed <laughs> earlier. Okay, She arose and eliminated all the royal children. So she thinks and attempts to wipe out all of the royal children. David's lineage. Okay, So, I mean, think about this. Her son's been killed. Her mom's been killed. Her dad's been killed. Her relatives have been killed. Everybody's basically been killed. So, Elitha becomes her mother, <laughs> crazy, and she's going to wipe out the royal family. Okay, but look here in verse 2. But Jehosheba, the daughter of King Joram, sister of Uzziah, took Joash, the son of Uzziah, and abducted him from among the king's sons who were being put to death and put him and his nurse in the bedroom. So, they hid from Elitha, and he was not put to death. So, he was kept hidden with her in the house of the Lord for six years while Elitha was reigning over the land. So they hide him in the bedroom in the house of the Lord, the temple. Six years. Now in the seventh year, Jehoiada, the priest, okay, um, sent orders and brought the captains of the hundreds of the Karaites and of the guards and brought them to himself at the house of the Lord. Then he made a covenant with them, okay, put them under oath at the house of the Lord and showed them the king's son. So he makes this oath, this covenant, basically, before he shows this big secret, okay. He commanded them, saying, and then here, this is part of it. This is the thing that you shall do. A third of you who come in on the Sabbath, keep watch over the king's house. A third also shall be at the gate of Sir, and a third at the gate behind the guards shall keep watch over the house for defense. Two parts of you, all who go out on the Sabbath, shall keep watch over the house of the Lord. So basically, you're going to keep watch over this young man. Okay, This is all we have left. The captains of the hundred act in accordance of everything, right? And they did what they were supposed to. And then, all of a sudden... Go to verse 12. Then he brought the king's son out, put the crown on him, gave him the testimony they made with him, anointed him. They clapped their hands and said, Long live the king. Long live the king. Let the king prosper. Which is cool, Alan, because sermon series I heard said that basically England got this from the Bible because that's what they say. Long live the queen. Long live the king. Okay, look, verse 13. When Elitha heard the noise of the guards and of the people, she came to the people at the house of the Lord. And she looked. Behold, the king was standing by the pillar according to the custom, with the captains and trumpeters beside the king. All the people in the land were joyful, were blowing trumpets. So she comes down there. She hears the noise, Alan. Okay, and she's been reigning over the land. Alan has no clue, right? What's going on at the house of the Lord? This lady shows up. And all of a sudden, she sees the king. And it says that Elitha tore her clothes and cried out, Conspiracy, conspiracy, right? And basically, you, you, you've you caused treason against me. After what she's done, right? Who's really committed treason right here, Alan? Hypocrite. So Jehoiada, the priest, commanded the captains of the hundred who were appointed over the army and said to them, Bring her out between the ranks. Whoever... Whoever follows her, put to death, put her to death with the sword. For the priest said, she is not to be put to death at the house of the Lord. So they seized her. When they brought her to the horse's entrance of the king's house, she was put to death. Then Jehoiada made a covenant between the Lord, the king, and the people. And the Lord's people and between the king and the people. All the people in the land came to the house of Baal and tore it down. All right, Alan, here's the crazy thing. We're going to wrap up here in just a second. Jehoash is seven years old, and he is now the king. Okay? 
So remember, this woman was trying to rule the royal lineage, but remember, God's sovereign, God's faithful, God's provident hides this baby. Baby comes out. They anoint him as king. Can't imagine what it would be like to be seven. But here's the thing. God didn't just leave him alone. Jehoiada, all the days of his life, as this young king was young, would guide him and give him counsel. You know what the cool thing is? While that priest was alive, Israel worshipped God, rebuilt the temple, and did everything they were supposed to. Okay? And it's like you hear the story and you're like, wow, God's so sovereign. God's so provident. Take that, Elitha. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that's right. I mean... God's promise and covenant to David was at risk, okay? Was at risk. And that and that's one of the points that uh, Pat, uh, Skip made when he was going through this. Was that it was at risk, but God, who's faithful, took care of business. And I'm listening to this story, Alan, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I've never heard this. This is wild. This is amazing. This is God taking care of things. But sad to say, when Jehoiada died, Alan, Jehoash fell off. So again, here we have Israel being faithful, being faithful, good times, good things, and all of a sudden, boom, a king does something wrong. So it's like, Alan, hearing this story, and me and you going through it before we started, I mean, looking at this, Alan, like, in your brain, I mean, what 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 is going on up there, Alan? What are you thinking? So uh, again, it, it sounds familiar to me just like Moses and, and just like the the way that uh, God has a way of defeating evil and having good prevail and uh, this story here I, I'm like you I've never made this correlation between it and and David and the line of uh, of the seed that uh, you know the promised seed and uh, to me, it's fascinating. I mean, it just blew my mind when you brought it up. I mean, it, it's, you can't help but ponder and think about these things. And really, y'all, I mean, the biggest thing of this podcast episode today is to share the story with you that it would intrigue you to be like, oh my goodness, maybe I've never heard this, or maybe I've never heard these details, or I've never read through Second Kings. And really, that's my goal. If I had a goal today, Alan, is that people would be intrigued by this and think, oh my goodness, this is in the Bible, and they'd go read it. I mean, we don't have some deep teaching point. We don't have some deep meaning. Really, it's like, hey, I wanted to read through this with you all, share our astonishment of what happened, but how God took care and was faithful and was provident, and that it was amazing. Yep. And I mean, that's kind of it. You're like, well, that's that's pretty short and sweet. Yeah, it is. My friends, the Bible is amazing. <clears throat> Bible's amazing. Bible is wonderful. Read it. Read it. That's it, Alan. That's all I have. Do you That's have anything? It. No, God bless. That's all I've got to Hey, we love y'all, and I hope you're so intrigued by this and interested to take care of Brittany. You got questions? You got comments? Send us an email. I'll put it in the link. So, guys, we love y'all. God bless. We, go, we love y'all. God bless. We'll see you next time on the WCBC 